Welcome to Sully Sets, musings on sales and life. I'm your host, Rick Sully, and I've spent the past 25 years in the greatest profession in the world, sales. And the number one goal on my podcast is to teach you everything I've learned. I give you the tips, tools, and techniques necessary to excel in sales, network marketing, and most importantly, in life. So listen, learn, and enjoy the journey. Hey everybody, Rick Sully, and welcome to part two of Sully's Seven Sales Secrets. As I said in my previous episode, this is the first time that I've split an episode in two parts, but I think there's just a lot of good information here, and I want everyone to be able to kind of process it, take it in, figure out what works, what doesn't work, what you can tweak, uh, and things of that nature. So let me get rolling here with a quick summary of the first uh, three secrets. Number one, pull the thread. Find something you can use in every single interaction with a gatekeeper, office manager, business owner, physician, whatever the case may be, and you pull that thread and start taking the opportunity from a prospect stage to the selling stage as quickly as possible. Number two, use your CRM. A customer relationship manager is there to support you, to help you. It's not a hindrance. Once you start looking at it the right way, you will start using it the way it was meant to be used. Number three was provide value on every visit. Become a resource. Become someone that people are happy to see walk through the door. Nothing worse than when you walk through the door and you see the gatekeeper roll their eyes. It's generally not a good sign. All right, so keep those three in mind, and then we'll get right to number four, leave a note. Now, I am a huge proponent of leaving and sending notes. Matter of fact, I've done entire videos on this very topic. In my mind, it is a very critical and vastly, vastly underutilized arrow in a salesperson's quiver. Now, as I see it, there's three different ways where notes can be utilized. First, when you make a prospecting call and you aren't able to see the decision maker. Now, I don't care if this is your first prospecting call on the officer business or your 10th. Leave a note. Short and sweet with a call to action. Always make sure you leave your business card and also an article or marketing piece attached. Now, what I also do is I'll usually ask the gatekeeper if I can leave a note. And then I'll ask them for a paper clip to attach everything together. So I asked them if it was okay. I asked permission. I didn't assume. And then I went ahead and I asked for their help. People generally like to help other people. All right, plus me, it gives me another chance to interact with them and build rapport. All right, the next thing is I always will write the note in the lobby or waiting room of the business because you never know when and if the decision maker will wander to the front of the office, maybe have to run out to their car so they'll walk right past you. But if you're there, you're either going to see somebody or you're going to pick up some more information or some more threads, if you will. Make sure your note is legible. All right, there's nothing worse than spending the time writing a note and it can't be read. Uh, The second time I would utilize a note is if you drop something in the mail to a prospect. Now, I know this isn't something that's commonly done these days with, you know, email and face-to-face visits. However, during the pandemic, I think all of us have had to find new and creative ways to access our prospects. 
So snail mail has become, uh, has come back to the forefront. So what I need you to do is when you're sending articles and marketing pieces versus, you know, via the USPS, the Postal Service, leave a note and a business card with those as well. Uh, first of all, the reason you do it is it's unorthodox, uh, unique, and it's going to set you apart from the competition. And when you put that note on top of it, it's going to set you apart even more. And finally, I always, always, always send a thank you note when I close a deal. And obviously, you're going to be closing a lot of deals after listening to parts one and parts two of this podcast. So you're going to have to get in the habit of leaving a thank you note. Buy some nice stationery. Always include your business card. But send a handwritten note every single time. Now, the content isn't quite as important as the gesture itself, but if you're looking for something to say, just keep it simple. Hey, thanks for the opportunity. I'm excited about building a long, strong, lasting partnership between our companies and, of course, providing you with exceptional customer service. Thanks again. Take care. Now, you're going to be astonished. I mean, truly blown away by what a difference this makes because nobody does this anymore. I mean, yeah, if it's your 13-year-old kid's birthday, yeah, they send thank you notes. But nobody in our profession, let me rephrase that, very few people in our profession take the time to do that. So set yourself apart, send a thank you note. And I'll make one final comment on notes, and it's holiday cards. A lot of times people ask me, is it appropriate to send cards around the holidays? And I say, absolutely. That's a resounding yes. To your existing customers, by all means, go ahead and do that. If it's a big prospect, you're trying to get in front of them again, yes, of course, send a holiday card. But make sure they're true holiday cards. And we're in this cancel culture now. Uh, You know, people overreact. So the last thing you want to do is make any reference to Christmas or Hanukkah or anything else that, you know, somebody may be offended by. Uh, Because, you know, what you could do is you offend an existing customer or you alienate a prospect. And none of us want that. This is supposed to be done to uh, help you. All right, and facilitate the process, not put a barrier in place. All right, number five, create constructive tension. Now, in, in, I will say this is what separates great reps from good reps. Now, I'm sure you have that one person in your organization that's always at the top of the leaderboard. They always make the most money. They always win the contest. They earn President's Club every year. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, it's luck. I mean, yeah, it's hard work, I guess. I mean, maybe they had an easy goal. You know, guess what? No. All right? Because I know a lot of reps who work hard, and they get lucky, and their manager screws up their goal, but they still languish in the middle of the pack year after year. So there has to be something that sets them apart, right? Well, I think it's the ability to effectively and consistently create constructive tension, not only with prospects, but with existing customers, too. So some of you may be familiar with the term, others may not. So let me just walk you through what constructive tension is. Uh, First of all, I'll tell you to read the book Challenger Sale, uh, Challenger Selling. It's a very good concept. It's a good book, a lot of good ideas. But the one thing that I took from this book was the concept of constructive tension. And quite simply, it allows sales reps to build up to a sale by intentionally disputing their customer or prospect's way of thinking and thus forcing them to contemplate a new perspective. I'm going to read that again because I think it's so important. Allows reps to build up to a sale by intentionally disputing their customer or prospect's way of thinking and forcing them to contemplate a new perspective. 
Now, what you need to do is think about your current business and what you're selling and how you can apply constructive tension to your business. So you have to ask yourself, what holds a prospect back from doing business with me? And what holds a current customer back from doing more business with me? Because the fact is a lot of sales representatives don't know how to create con constructive tension or they aren't comfortable creating constructive tension. So I think this comes down to knowing and believing in your product and also believing in your heart that the features of your product will directly benefit the prospect or customer. And if you believe, then you should be supremely confident when it comes to recreating constructive tension. Now, I'll grant you it's a slippery slope. And if you don't handle this correctly, you could severely and maybe irreparably damage a relationship. So it is important that you practice with your boss or with a colleague, maybe even a customer, that you aren't worried too much about winning or losing or growing uh, because then, you know, it's your baptism by fire in that respect. But it's also important to have superior knowledge of your company, your product, and your competitor. And you have to know your customer's business. Now, it's going to come from research, uh, talking to advocates in the office, asking questions uh, of them, and also from other sales reps from different spaces that call in the office. Because once you have a sense of what the office is like and what they're missing, then you can start to work to fill the void. And that'll kind of tip you off on how to approach the concept of constructive tension. All right, so again, make sure you're asking good questions. Questions are going to give you information because information is power. And those right questions will reveal to you which path you need to take. All right, number six, follow up. Right, this is mind-boggling to me how few sales representatives don't follow up consistently, effectively, or sometimes even at all with a prospect or even a customer for that matter. This is the essence of sales, sales 101, if you will. And I'm not even talking about the concept of over-promising and under-delivering. No, no, I'm talking about basic follow-up, especially with a prospect. Now, I could argue that the most difficult thing to do in sales is cold call, either in person or over the phone. And forget email cold calling, because that isn't cold calling, because there's no fear associated with it. Anybody can send an email. But I'm digressing. So think about it this way. You finally work up the nerve to make the dreaded cold call. And guess what? The gatekeeper doesn't yell at you or call you names or tell you to hit the bricks. As a matter of fact, you build a little rapport with them. They actually listen attentively because you're providing value. And then what? You walk out the door feeling pretty darn good about how things went. You may even take the time to put some notes in your CRM. Maybe text your boss or your colleague to tell them how well the cold call went. And then nothing. You make the dreaded error of not following up. Think about it. You successfully did arguably the hardest thing in sales, and then you dropped the ball. Now, why? Why would you do that? It makes no sense, but it happens every single day to salespeople across our industry. All right, so in my experience, follow-up is where the rubber meets the road or where you put your money where your mouth is. You know, this is my company. This is what we do. This is how we can benefit you. You know, my personal opinion is many reps don't follow up because they aren't willing or able to provide value on every call. Now, I know that's a maybe a bit of an overstatement, but I think that's the crux of what we're dealing with. They don't know what to do or say next. You know, to me, prospecting is a process. The seed is planted with the first call but then it needs watered and nurtured for it to blossom. And that's what follow-up does. And it should be a very repeatable process. 
Because once you find a plan or a system that works, then just keep using it over and over again for each prospect. You may need to change it here or there, but generally speaking, it should work time and time again. And whatever you do, don't wait weeks. Follow up as soon as you can without seeming pushy or desperate. Remember, you're building a relationship with someone. So the more touches and interactions you have, the quicker that relationship will grow. And number seven, never stop learning. Now, anybody that has ever listened to an episode of the Sully Says podcast or watched one of my videos on Facebook or YouTube or has even worked with me knows that I will die on this hill. Learning is without question the greatest gift we can give ourselves. And there are so many ways to learn these days. When I was young, you could pretty much read a book or listen to a book on a cassette or CD. But now you can read a book, listen to a book on your phone or through your car stereo. You have access to hundreds of YouTube videos on sales, podcasts galore. Articles are literally everywhere on the World Wide Web. So what's your excuse? No time? I mean, come on. No time doesn't fly right now. We have nothing but time. It's about desire. It's about wanting it bad enough and finding a way to get it done. Now, I've heard some lame-ass excuses over the years. I don't like to read. I can't concentrate when I listen to a book or podcast. I get too distracted. I can't find any videos I can really relate to. One joker told me his car was an older model, so he couldn't play music, books, or podcasts over his car speakers. Come on, man. Uh, The simple fact is you are costing yourself a ton of money if you aren't investing the time to improve as a person and as a professional. I do it because I like it. For For those of you who don't like it, you should do it because it will make you better at your job, which will make you more successful, which will make you more money, which will lower your stress. I think you get the point, right? You're connecting the dots. Bottom line is every time you're in your car or at the gym or on a walk or a run, you're in a position to learn. And if you don't do any of those things, then carve 20 minutes a day for self-improvement. If you do it, and you do it consistently, you will thank me someday. I promise you that. So there you have it. I've given you Sully seven sales secrets. Now, I am sure you've heard every single one of these before, right? In some capacity. But how many of them have you actually done? Because there's the rub. It's one thing to know what you need to do to be successful. It's an entirely other thing to actually do it. So listen to it multiple times. Take some notes and then implement a plan of action. How can you incorporate these tips into your sales life? Now, it's obviously going to vary from rep to rep. Some of you have the acumen to incorporate all of them at once, while others will need to break it down into smaller pieces and slowly make it part of your daily routine. There's no right way or wrong way, as long as you're doing something different than you were doing before. And the new thing, unique thing about this list is that everything on here will make you more successful if you implement it. There's no gray area. This is a fact. These are proven techniques that absolutely positively will make an impact. So I wish you well as you challenge yourself to become a better salesperson. Maybe the best salesperson you can be. I want to thank you for joining me on the latest edition of the Sully Says Podcast. Once again, this is the first time I've ever done a two-part episode. I like it. It was fun. took some crazy mad editing on my part, but I think it's more advantageous for you, the listener, and that's who I am doing this for. So good luck, and please send me an email at sullysays at gmail.com with any success stories, 
is I'd love to share them with other listeners, and I'll definitely mention your name on my next podcast. And check back soon for the latest edition of the Sully Says Podcast, Musings on Sales and Life.